Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Variety of things, uh, it's all been in the news. We're going to talk about China, and it's kind of a somber note. Uh, the consulate in Houston, what does that all mean, and how is that having an effect on what we're seeing in our grain markets today. Also, we know that China and another was making some purchases of beans and inquiring as well about corn and wheat. So that gives the question, is the temporary reserves almost empty for China? And what do we believe? What do we not believe as to what we're hearing? We're going to look at that and a lot more today as we look at the Fontenelle Final Bell with Arlen Suderman. He is with StoneX. And and Arlen, I tell you, it's good for us that you guys have folks in China, so we get some concrete information from you, from your coworkers that are there. But we know that the consulate in Houston has been all over the news today, and has that had an effect on what we've seen in these markets? Well, it has. Um, first of all, there was one of fear, and then optimism, and then a little bit of fear once again. Um, obviously, when the tensions with China start to uh, really ramp up, you start getting worried about them pulling the plug on purchasing from the United States. China has that reputation. They get mad at you, and they make, they make you pay the price. It's how they intimidate people into going along with them. And so that's the concern. Um, in this case, we really weren't real concerned because they need our soybeans, and uh, we have reason to believe they need our corn and wheat right now as well. Now, wheat, there are other sources that they can go from, and they've been buying from other sources as well. Corn, there's a limited number of sources. They like to buy from Ukraine, but there's a limited amount they can buy from Ukraine. Um, Brazilian corn is actually a little bit cheaper, um, but they don't have phytosanitary agreements with Brazil yet in order to purchase from Brazil. Now, that may happen at some point in the future, but it has not happened yet. So as such, if they're not buying from Ukraine, they generally have to buy from us until they get that straightened out or from Argentina if Argentina has supplies available. So the um, first thing this morning was the concern over the Houston news of the consulate being shut down and uh, soybean market came under pressure. Uh, we didn't think that that would be long. We thought that, um, if anything, the buyers might be waiting for a dip in the prices on the headlines and then make some more purchases. And by the 8 o'clock hour, we got confirmation from USDA that Chinese buyers had purchased, along with buyers for unknown destination, also believed to be Chinese buyers, uh, 34 million bushels of U.S. soybeans, mostly new crop delivery. There was a cargo or two of old crop in there. Um, and so a big purchase. I mean, from a historical standpoint, that's a big one-day purchase. Soybeans tried to rally, could not sustain the rally. Uh, the trade was still skeptical. Um, but... We quickly learned that uh, Chinese buyers were inquiring about corn and wheat prices. And as that word got out, then we saw corn and wheat markets start to rally on that news and on various rumors about purchases, which we've been hearing through this week. In fact, they've been inquiring and and rumored to have been making purchases almost every day here recently. Um, But that provided some support for the market. Uh, There is a sense, though, of nervousness out there. we really generally don't expect China to uh, uh, to threaten the trade relationship with the United States. Uh, but this story with uh, overclosing the consulate in Houston looks like we may have caught them with their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak, uh, and really may escalate things a bit more. And there does seem to be a bit more nervousness among uh, among our sources about what this may do to Chinese purchases. So it is something we need to watch. 
buyers seem to be actively buying right now and trying to get some business done just in case something happens. Perhaps I don't know. Um, but, uh, China, of course, continues to be the main headliner when it comes to our cultural markets. You know, and I, I find it interesting. We went for weeks where we didn't hear anything from China on any sort of purchases. And now they're just almost every single day we're hearing them making more purchases. We know maybe it's not in good faith of, of phase one. Is it because they need it? They need the product to be able to feed their livestock, to feed their people. Yeah, I really believe it is. And, and it seems like every day I get people on Twitter or even within our organization say, well, it's got to be about the floods in China. Well, no, it's not about the floods in China. It's about what we've been alerting to them to for the last couple of years. They are consuming more corn in China on a yearly basis than what they can produce. Um, and here recently on July 6th, there's a think tank. It's got a long name in China. Um, and I don't pay much attention to their numbers because I don't believe their numbers. I believe better what we get off, off you know, with, from our boots on the ground. But when the think tank kind of confirms our numbers, I take note of that. And uh, they back revised, upwardly back revised feed usage numbers uh, for the last two years and for the coming year by 25 to 30 million metric tons per year. Um, and then you get news from China this week that they're going to uh, put 10 million metric tons of rice that was in their reserves out for auction to feed grain users this week, uh, and along with some wheat, trying to cool down the corn market. And those things seem to confirm what we've been saying all along, that their temporary reserve for corn is almost empty. It's our belief that it'll be empty by the end of, the, of next month if the auctions continue at the pace that they've been at. It does. So, something to give. We've been saying that they've been producing about 30 million metric tons per year, less than what they consume, and this think tank has now confirmed that. I was going to say, does that cause some nervousness, or are you going to continue to see some nervousness in the trade because of it? Yeah, I think so. Of course, we're, it looks like we're producing a big crop, and, and there's some evidence that it may be north of 180 bushel national average yield. Uh, so this doesn't mean that we need $6 corn, but it does suggest that uh, nobody really wants to be short corn at, at three-something. Um, and uh, so it does change the psychology of the market. All right, we'll stick around, folks. When we come back, there's a lot more to dive into as we look at how COVID-19, everything that's been happening across the globe, is also having an effect on what we're seeing in the market trade. Definitely interesting times that we are in. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Arlen Suderman of Stonex and went to break, we were talking a little bit about the, the crazy world that we are in. And obviously COVID has taken an effect not only on the grain side, but the livestock side. And want to talk about gasoline consumption. Uh, some inf- interesting information came out, which I guess shouldn't come as a surprise, Arlen. Yeah, as more and more key driving states are tightening restrictions again due to increased COVID uh, numbers, we're seeing it show up in the gasoline consumption numbers. We saw a, pull, a little bit of a pullback last week, a little bit more of a pullback this week. It's not a great amount of pullback, but it stopped the recovery. We've had back-to-back weeks now where the recovery has come to a dead stop. And as such, we also saw ethanol production pull back a little bit this week as well. I should say last week, the numbers were released today. 
931 barrels per day produced uh, two weeks ago. Last week, 908,000 uh, barrels per day. And so uh, a notable drop there. Uh, we've still come up 69% on ethanol production from the bottom this last spring from after the shutdown. Um, but we're still 16% from where down from where we were prior to the shutdown. So ethanol production still not there. If you look at where we're at versus USDA's target, it kind of previous to these last two weeks, I was ready to raise our target and suggest that maybe we had overprojected the cuts. Now I'm feeling pretty good about our number um, that it may be right on. We had been recovering faster than ex- expected. Now we're starting to pull back. Hopefully this pullback won't last long. We'll be able to get things stabilized and people driving again in these uh, high mileage states. Well, and now we're seeing, you know, the restaurants that were opening up are starting to shut down again. So that's going to have a trickle effect, not only on ethanol use, but on eating out. No, it really is. Uh, Restaurant and food service is a big part of our uh, consumption of meat and uh so that's a big part of the domestic meat demand. Uh, people tend to have smaller portions when they eat at home than when they eat at restaurants. If you eat at home and you have some leftover, you tend to stick it in a refrigerator for tomorrow. If you eat at a restaurant, you might take home a doggy bag, but more often than not, you may just send it back to the kitchen where it's disposed of. So overall consumption is higher at restaurants and food services, why we need them back for our meat demand and, and for also for people driving again to support our ethanol industry. You and I have had lengthy discussions about about cattle prices and what we're seeing, and I'm catching you off guard maybe a little bit on this, so I apologize. But we did see a response come out to the USDA's report on cattle markets this afternoon. Um, Pleased um, from an NCBA perspective as they look at the investigation into cattle prices. As this continues, obviously, Department of Justice ongoing investigation how are we going to see that affect the way we see this cattle market trade? And is there going to be more pressure coming from the countryside? Well, obviously, I think there's going to be pressure. And uh, this is a very sensitive issue, obviously. And what we've seen in the past when investigations happen is the packers, particularly with their big margins now, at least the estimated, publicly estimated big margins, um, have been a little bit more generous on prices. So far this week, we've seen cattle trade. Um, in the feedlot belt, uh, around $96 a few head. Uh, today's online exchange was also, I think, just 422 head sold at basically 96 and 96 and a quarter uh, for some of those that were uh, for delivery up to 17 days. Um, so we're not seeing a big impact yet, um, but that is something we're kind of watching for. And uh, when the Packers, for a while, they were really sharing the premium, and we saw cash cattle prices up to 120 um, then as the product price fell and those margins started to tighten um, that really pulled back and that's where we pulled back in the low to mid 90s for cash cattle um, now those prices are starting to come up even though we still have an over oversupply uh, cattle contracts are we going to continue to see some some cash decent decent as i can't even talk today um this week as we head toward the weekend knowing everything that's going on right now well, that's the optimism out in cattle country. But you look at the board, it's sitting at uh, five, five and a half dollars above where we've seen cash trade so far. So it's saying, okay, we have it priced in. We have higher prices priced into that August contract. Uh, is the cash market actually going to do it? Uh, obviously, 
it's not pulling the board sharply lower. It was only down slightly today. Um, but it is holding out some optimism that we are going to see some recovery. And, and the product market has been uh, kind of showing some stability as well, right around that $200 level for the choice cuts. And uh, there's some sense that maybe that will help uh, provide a little bit of stability and strength in the cash market going forward as well. All right, Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com or over on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. All right. Thanks so much. Arlen Suderman joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, and they are not suitable for all investors. That's been the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.